0: Welcome to the Bards FM Podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Hybrid Warfare. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction righteousness ruthlessness to understand tolerance you have to understand the line of intolerance war is the teacher soldiers are the students they become the bards of war good evening patriots and it's monday february 20th in the year 2023 colin talking to you live from charlotte north carolina tonight which is pretty awesome Tonight we're going to touch on the complexity of this current battle space that we're in and looking at the measures of hybrid warfare and what that means and how it's all coming together to create a total chaos and insanity in our lives, ultimately leading to somebody needing, wanting and desiring for us to accept the big change that they're wanting to engineer. We'll have to see how all that looks as we go forward. Patriots, before we begin tonight, make sure you're taking good care of the wealth and stewarding it well that you've been given and given by God to to take care of. One of those things to do is to make sure you have things invested in gold and silver precious metals. Patriots, despite the US blowing through the $31.4 trillion debt ceiling in January, the leftist White House still refuses to reduce spending. While our national leadership has buried their heads in the sand when it comes to fiscal responsibility, it's all the more time for you to be proactive. Now would be a great time to diversify into gold with Birch Gold. In times of high uncertainty and instability, gold is king. It's dependable. Birch Gold makes it easy to convert an IRA or 401k into an IRA in precious metals. Here's what you need to do. Text BARDS to 989898 to claim your free info kit on gold and then talk to one of their precious metal specialists. Think about it. To dig our country out of this mountain of debt, every single taxpayer in America would have to write a check for $247,000. And it's only getting worse. Protect yourself with gold today by texting BARDS to 989898 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau thousands of happy customers, and countless five-star reviews, you can trust Birch Gold to protect your future. Text BARDS to 989898 today. Remember, that's BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, to 989898 today. And that's BARDS to 989898. You will not be disappointed. Patriots, if you haven't been paying attention, we've already got more fires of factory buildings burning down. Of course, we have the continuing issue going on up in East Palestine. We have all sorts of things going on on a global level, and what as we watch this, we're literally watching a destruction of the infrastructure of the United States. Hawaii just had a massive break in their fresh water processing plant, and they currently don't have fresh water on one of the main islands. So, we're seeing literally an attack on our infrastructure. And the only answers to this are to one of, well, they're probably two. I mean, they're trying to force us into dependency on whatever the government's going to deliver. And the other component is it's going to make us increasingly dependent on foreign imports as we strip away these factories. It's really important to pay attention to this and frame it in accordingly and what it is. Now, we're in a state of war. We've been in a state of war here for. I'd say five years at this point in time, and it's for many they're just coming to the realization that those ideas, that reality is really what we're living in. But warfare like this is very different. It takes a different form, and this isn't just a specific type of warfare. This is a hybrid form of warfare that is a combination of what we call fourth generation warfare and fifth generation warfare so I kind of want to walk through this tonight to kind of give us a framing for people to understand what it is we're looking at. In World War II, we were in what would be called third generation warfare. Typically that's men on the ground, tanks, armor, that sort of movement going on where you have artillery, physical warfare down in the battle space. And that was a war that was, had a high attrition rate, a lot of human casualties, and leaves a lot of land destruction. From a concept, from a perspective of warfare and the efficiencies of what you're trying to acquire meaning a claim terrain knock out governments reset governments to the benefit of one side or the other third generation warfare is highly destructive it leads you to having to do a lot of rebuilding displaces people and obviously causes a lot of human casualty and a human human destruction the upside of if you're Hear me out when I use these terms tonight. These are, these are really neutral in terms of the emotions of war, but if you're an investor in third-generation warfare, third-generation warfare from the aftermath of war is very profitable. This is where you get cleanups, rounding up of, of the excess of the explosives and dealing with, with explosive ordnance disposal. You have the rebuilding process. All of these things ultimately spur new net developments in the economy. And we've seen that happen from the end of 1945, at the end of the World War II, until 2004, was the rebuilding of Dresden. Imagine that. That's, a, that's an incredible span of time. And Dresden itself wasn't completely rebuilt or proclaimed rebuilt in, until 2004. So you can imagine the immense amount of infrastructure money that was being poured into corporations. It creates a sort of self-stimulus is what it does. And in the true sense of like Keynesian economics, where the in the in a very simple and simplistic design of Keynesian economics, the idea is you can pay people whatever you can pay a man to dig a hole and pay a man to fill a hole. And it's all about just creating money and flow with kind of this endless supply of money. That's we're still in that sort of nonsense. I mean, we're looking right now at over 30 trillion dollars in debt and climbing, and it's created a a perspective in this culture where we have been able to benefit immensely from a dollar that's being burdened on other people, because this debt is being owned and distributed across the world. We have now moved to a new level of warfare, and this transition has been happening post-World War II into this phase now. So we've kind of got a model framework of third-generation warfare. Let me just give you a framing of fourth-generation warfare as we go forward here. So... Fourth-generation warfare would basically be a conflict that's characterized by a blurring of the lines between war and politics, combatants, and civilians. This is a classic Afghanistan model, right? The term was first used in 1980 by the team of United States analysts to describe warfare's return to a decentralized form. Fourth-generation warfare signifies the nation-state's loss of their near monopoly on combat forces, returning to modes of conflict between common in pre-modern times. So in in other words it's it's a it takes where you have the major participants are non-state actors and dependent on re- very violent actions by non-state actors. This would be defined typically as as the like 9/11. The key's here though is it's the combining of the non-state actors. So you have people not in uniforms, not in the state in the nation state uniform, you have people that are integrated in, which we would we end up designating them as terrorists to give them a designator that we can't tell what they look like any different than us. But all of a sudden the FBI rolls up or DHS rolls up and arrests somebody and they're like they're a domestic terrorist or if they're foreign, we hit them with a drone strike. And the news media is is an important component to fourth generation warfare because it's going to tell you how to look at the problem. They're going to shape the battle space by informing you that this is a terrorist. They are a, a look like you. They act like you. But believe it or not, folks, the truth is that they're evil and we must kill them or capture them. There's a, that's a big component in fourth generation warfare. These wars are tend to be complex, very long term. As I mentioned, terrorism is not only a tactic, but it's a title that they are used heavily in the, in the propaganda space. The non-national or transnational basis of this warfare is extremely important for generation warfare. It's, it's highly decentralized. So when we're, we're dealing with Russia, for example, and we look at them as a nation state versus Al-Qaeda, there was a network of, of what we would call terrorist elements or terrorist cells spread out across the, the world without any physical geographic space that they owned. The, there's a, a big use of attacking the enemy's culture including acts of genocide against civilians so there's a if you look at al qaeda as a model or isis it's the rolling in of an ideology of extremist islam going after the using god as a weapon in their form god with the small g using god as a as a framework to justify very harsh and brutal punishment like sharia law and using acts of violence like suicide bombing to, f- to create mass fear and chaos in, in the communities, which in turn drives people to a point of accepting a, a, a kind of a uh, thug or mob type mentality that it ends up taking over. This is very indicative of an ISIS model and how they take over localities and, and control people. And it, it uses fear. All of these things are going to use fear to control the people. So we also have the idea of low intensity conflicts which means there just there's all these little brush fire fights going on there isn't a sustained battle that's this idea of the of the domestic terrorism or the foreign terrorist acts and there's really no real hierarchy that you can identify easily so when you take a regular army you have a general and you have commanders underneath him like a colonel and then you have lieutenant colonels and you have majors and captains and lieutenants in the in the uh, NCO ranks, you're going to have a sergeant major, might have master sergeant, first sergeant, S- uh, sergeant first class, staff sergeant. All these things underneath them, down to your squad leaders, are all going to have a hierarchy of command structure. But in this t- sort of fourth generation warfare, when your enemy is dressing in regular people dress, whatever that local civilian dress is, they're they typically are not as identifiable and there isn't an, as easily an identifiable hierarchy. However, as they tend to get deeper into the battle and continue the, the engagement, they will tend to form a form of hierarchy that will be ultimately identifiable, but it's not easy on the front end. The key piece to fourth generation warfare is this decentralized and international space or, or international connectivity and that, makes it again very difficult for the people to identify where the source of the problem is now we're living living in a place right now of a hybrid and it's actually a hybrid in what we're dealing with of fourth fifth and even a touch of sixth generation warfare which is on the horizon and it's it's even theoretical to a certain degree but it's important to understand what we're faced with and then we're gonna look at also what the consequences are of this as we start to look at the power of the people. Fifth generation warfare is pretty interesting because fifth generation warfare is primarily non-kinetic, meaning there's not a lot of lethal action. The lethal action is in your mind. They're going after the control of your thoughts, your perceptions. And so you, you'll see things, emphasis on social engineering, misinformation and deception, cyber attacks and cyber tools to shape outcomes. And so it's not just cyber attacks, that's when one side's attacking a cyber, a critical infrastructure in the digital realm, but it's also the shaping of using tools like Google has done to, to hide certain content on the web, make redirect or overemphasize certain searches to affect your decision process and channel you a certain way. So they're using these tools that people are dependent on and quietly behind the scenes, creating directional uh, pushes so that people themselves aren't even aware that they're being influenced. And that's, as we are in the middle of a fifth generation warfare, this is one of the big issues that the, the truth movement that we're moving on here is trying to break through is this constant confining in the information space. Obviously in fifth generation warfare, they liked, there's an attempt to control all the information flow. And as we're seeing this information expand out and we've seen the, the Great Awakening expand out across the web, what we've also seen is this deluge of deception. Products that are created by artificial intelligence, products, projects that are staged, false flags, constant dumping of information that has no relevant content, but it make, it looks real, people grab it and run with it. There are even, even whole, ideas and concepts that are completely seeded that are not even true, but people will buy into it and hold on to it and then run with it and make it a belief system. The biggest component of information warfare is information, I'm sorry, fifth generation warfare is information and perception. Because so much of the fifth generation fight is a perceived fight. Really critical to comprehend because you're trying to shape the outcome of this based on how people see the world. Now, some other elements of fifth generation warfare that are very distinct, and this comes ultimately from the Chinese strategy of unrestricted warfare, is an idea of using other domains of warfare that people trust and using against them. We have seen in this fight the use of medical institutions that have turned into medical tyranny. We've seen the legal institutions, which is lawfare being waged against the citizens. We've seen economics used, which can be things like inflation, which can be engineered. We are seeing other aspects of economics where you're you're using trade deficits, you're using access to goods, you're using the restriction of goods. All of this is coming along. You're using network warfare, which is hacking hacking into people's computers doing say ransom cyber ransom where they're holding servers for ransom asking for pay shutting down services and so we take we see a form of what we of this of these elements being used as weapons against the people and one of the big ones in this period of time is political warfare and why that is so important is politics in this particular time isn't politics as normal. We've seen the weaponization of the election results, but what we're not paying attention to as a whole is that politics themselves have been weaponized. And the best part about that for the those that are running this conflict against us is that American people in particular don't like politics. So rather than engage it, our normal reaction is to step away from it and throw up our hands and go, this is too corrupt and walk away when they know that and they're actually weaponizing the political institutions against us. Evident in that is January 6th is an example of a whole coming together of all of those dimensions. So in January 6th, the the issues of January 6th, what we have witnessed here, Which is so important is to realize that they've used the political institutions, the legal institutions, the informational institutions all the way through here to structure a fight against the people targeting specific people and using that extended lever of power and fear to bring other people to submit to their ways or at least to keep them muted down. These are the general elements here that are pretty important to appreciate how all this is coming together in these fights. Now, there is the dimension of fourth generation warfare that's involved in this. is why we're calling this hybrid warfare is what we're now witnessing with the burning of all these, the spontaneous combustion of all of these factories. We have factories burning in Ohio now. We've had food processing plants, over 90 of them spontaneously combusting across the nation. We have an enormous amount of train spills that are suddenly happening, polluting the environment. That's your stealth and your your covert actions that are happening within this. But there's one big piece that's been laid over the top of both of these warfares, which create... A bridge between the specifics of a targeted terrorist attack and random events and the full direction of like indirect and influence type warfare. And that's the injection. The vaccine, what is really a bioweapon, has now created its own momentum in, in culture. And it's going to make it increasingly difficult to designate or identify whether an action is truly a terrorist or a a lethal attempt to paralyze the infrastructure or whether it is a consequence of people dying off and being infected by a stealth system, a weapon system that was delivered through a trust network of hospitals and doctors to literally paralyze and cripple an economy this is kind of the panultimate in hybrid warfare is what we're witnessing right now and all of this is going to be it's important to have this framing because we're we're still looking at things very commonly in terms of a traditional third or cold war model we're looking at russia for example and we're seeing a nation state we're looking at china and we're seeing a nation state we're looking at the united states and we see a nation state so you're hearing a lot of rhetoric in the media like nuclear war with Russia and potential war in Taiwan with with China. And these things are not exactly accurate because in the hybrid sense of warfare, we're also behind the scenes are corporations that are married with government agencies, which are more like administrative bodies, that are using their rules and their power of, of authority in conjunction with corporate and private entity and and any capabilities to wage a war against the people that don't agree with the way that they are working things. Ultimately, this whole idea that we're in with this hybrid level of warfare, which is bleeding over between fourth and fifth generation, and then using this weapon system that they deployed globally, which they refer to as a VAX, is to depopulate and break the will of the people And stress them to such a level that whatever they present, people will then willfully accept as a walk-in to a better way and a way to, to come to a sense of peace or stability, which they in power will present. Again, as they control the information space, though, it's one of the most important architectures of this whole thing. And with that is one more element, which is now in the battle space, which definitely takes us into the the sixth generation realm, which is artificial intelligence. So artificial intelligence now is rolling in on this, and it's both part of fifth and it's part of sixth generation warfare. Sixth generation warfare, like I said, is theoretical. But what's important about it is to understand a couple components. One is fully autonomous systems that operate on their own against either other autonomous systems or against the people. Another dimension to sixth generation warfare, and this is gonna sound a little sci-fi, but bear with me as I explain it, is the displacement of time and space. And we're not talking about time jumping, we're not talking about wormholes, we're not talking about quantum jumps or something. What we're talking about is the ability to displace our orientation to time and space. So you imagine an AI system, here's an, here's an example that is being run against a village that is able to control the clocks, influence any sort of thing, digitals that are telling you time, maps, alarms, everything in the system gets reoriented and shifted out of the normal sequence of time and space. And when we look at the clock and we see noon, it's actually four o'clock in the afternoon but it may accelerate that time to where we see 10 o'clock, at one point we turn around and look, and the next thing it's noon, so we jump two hours. So it's an ability to use these tools to distort our normal perception of time and space, which is a disorienting aspect, and it becomes on a much larger scale in this warfare, becomes very lethal in controlling people. Again, everything ultimately in these types of, in these levels of warfare in this hybrid space we're in is about breaking the will of people, disorienting them, and bringing them to submit without having to have high levels of casualty or human lo- or human loss or physical loss. This is a really complex battle space. And, I, and I'm, I know that a lot of these terms I'm moving through relatively quickly, but I'm trying to give you a shape of the many, many pieces that are out here. Because ultimately, there's a, there is a pivot point we have to always go to in order to survive this. The biggest thing about informational warfare is it, it, this, these types of hybrid warfare, excuse me, is they're going to break down ideologies. So the loyalty to a state will suffer. The loyalty to a corporation will suffer. Loyalties to your certain rituals and routines that you have to keep you stable can easily suffer. And as that happens, you literally become disoriented in a space where you used to have stability. So it's, again, a very, very aggressive piece. Let me go through a few bullet points here to kind of give you some ideas of the sorts of things that come out of this. And you'll recognize most of these. The mob sees becomes a point where the mob be, seeks freedom through anarchy. So that's govern, not anarchy in the space of chaos, but anarchy through no government. That discussion's already happening because we're getting so frustrated with a big government the, the mass of people or mob of people are trying to look at governance without government. Control is, a, is achieved through the use of want, envy, and hatred. Again, fully employed here. You're seeing that right now. Division, creating race on race, hatred... Division they created between vax and unvax, division that has been manufactured by injecting a pedophile group that's hiding under the umbrella of LGBTQ to create hatred and to create destabilization and chaos. High pushes towards emphasizing the loss of things, material loss, people wanting high levels of homelessness so people will start to seek more. Those that are without seek that they want more. And envy for which they wish that they had weren't, weren't where they were, but where they were somebody somewhere physically else, or whether they were literally housed or unhoused. The envy is a big one because part of this is the destruction of faith. And envy can come to people, this a simple thing that you'll hear a lot in, in Christian faith, which is, oh, Jesus, take me away. I wish I wasn't here now. I wish I lived in another time. Father God, take me away to this. this these are the, the elements of envy that they're doing intentionally to try to create a, such pressure on the space that we live that people don't want to emphasize where they are or live in the moment of where they need to be. Food becomes a weapon and system. We're seeing that right now. And on top of restrictions or limitations of food come the other things of fillers, additives, and modification of food to create an unhealthy environment no matter where you turn. Enslavement is done through work and debt, which is a reduction of salary or buying power as people have to work more jobs, and ultimately debt is the only way people can survive. Long hours of work, sometimes two and three jobs. The president, as you vote for, becomes a puppet, and it is, it's a place where people need to continue to worship on a president to feel like there's actually some power within the system. We've seen this already. We know that our presidents are basically controlled by an elite group of people, but people need the belief that the president's gonna do something because if they don't, they feel like there's no other recourse or no other place they can go. Liberals are an interesting part of this, what we call liberals because they become this sort of vain, utopian dreamers that keep everybody distracted. They're a key part of this whole master plan. They present ideas, they're talking about these idealisms of free healthcare, saving the world, Recycling everything, living with electric power only, no petroleum, pow- no, no petrochemical products, et cetera, et cetera. And all of this comes down to the, the liberals become part of the distraction, which also, also feeds the division and hatred. You have the creation with this of intelligent networks. But here's the key we, when we talk about intelligence networks in this whole hybrid warfare space, we always think of term, things like the three-letter agencies, CIA, FBI, DHS, NSA, et cetera, right? NRO. But what we don't consider is how they're working in the back ends to create intelligence networks that are built on churches, internet companies, government agencies, unaffiliated to the intelligence group, and even education and healthcare. These become new ways to monitor control and and keep people in in their view, under their optics, so to speak, so nobody gets out of space. This is very Orwellian in its model. Information steers and influences the public to keep them divided and distracted. Inflation becomes the hidden weapon that is blamed on on the imperfection of men, meaning that it's just a system, people, people buy too much, people spend too much, and almost like it's out of their control. But it keeps people occupied while de- deflating the, your overall working value, taking money away without having to steal it out of your account, reducing your buying power, and then forcing people into deeper enslavement into the system of work. One of the big ones of this is weaponizing agriculture, where agriculture is seen as evil. So you're going to blame issues on food and diet, you're going to blame the environmental issues on cattle and bovine farts. You're gonna talk about a more efficient and more productive way to raise food that people need to step away from agriculture because the quote experts can do it better than the farmer. So you'll become dependent on agriculture, corporate owned agriculture models, all of this in the idea of providing a better and safer way to live. So vertical agriculture systems now get replaced agriculture. These new vertical warehouses are owned by corporations in there. They're growing specifically designed foods to grow in these environments. They're going to talk about the health benefits when, in fact, they're tailoring the food to meet certain genetic profiles to keep people dumb, stupid, and compliant. Another big one they like to use in this model is guilt. And this is whether it's white guilt or whether it's guilt because of the way you look or any form of guilt that you have, guilt that you didn't achieve enough, Guilt becomes a true weapon system, and in doing so, it it keeps people emotionally down. Notice there's a trend going on here, you should see it, and it's all about keeping people emotionally, spiritually, in low energy, and keeping people feeling like the system keeps crushing down upon it. The end target is always to separate people from a relationship in God, which is empowering, positive, higher energy, motivational, unlimited potential, so this is an opposite tilt, right? Taking away liberties is another one, always with the promise of returning them when the problem is over. Expect to see a lot more of this in the coming months here. You're going to see things like removal of the current state of things, potentially see things like replacing the current structure of law with some sort of law of war. So you're going to talk about a former system of government that is now being replaced by a more efficient system of government. The liberties are reduced. We already saw that with the Patriot Act which it's a great model, we're going to do this until the terrorist problem goes away, which Patriot Act never goes away. Always, again, putting things into perspective to keep people worn down, always worn down, and keeping them willfully compliant to the state so they'll agree to this and say, okay, yeah, that's fine. Do that for right now for our safety. So that's where you need terrorist attacks, dramatic events, false flags, etc. You have to take, uh, yeah, entertainment and amusement become the distractions, and the more that this presses down on people, people will seek entertainment, and I want to footnote that because that's one of those things we've seen that has been falling apart in this Great Awakening, and that's part of the counter move that's going on. Ease and convenience, you've heard me talk about this at length, um, are always promising you a better life through technology, through another piece of surveillance, through uh, Oculus glasses and Metaverse, every driverless cars, all of these things always geared, which in the back end of that is always taking away your freedom and, and controlling you even more. Education becomes the incubator for the next generation of leadership. And in this case, that education is using and tailoring education to f- create a new generation of kids coming up that accept LGBTQ and pedophile as normal. All of that is, again, to control people. They're seeing the environment as the most critical issue out there. They're blaming the normal structures that we've grown up with as the problem on agriculture or a problem for the environment. Always in are prepping these kids right now to live in combined cities. There is no privacy. Family is broken down. Children are literally a product, an ownership and product of the state. Pedophilia is normalized in society. That's the whole idea that is pushing education right now. So the other thing is that the agents of terror in this in this model that we're in right now, this hybrid warfare, are in the open. So you have bankers, economists, industrialists, all these people that are just raping the economy. They're in plain sight, but they're, they're giving you the political spin and people have become so desensitized to it that they're just accepting this and there's a disempowerment piece because people have been believe that there's no political solution to this, i.e. the hacked elections are teaching people that the system's too corrupt to fix. But the the threat of reprisal from the state is huge and, and it's so significant that people are afraid to step in and take action for fear of consequences on their own life. Success ultimately gets translated to two things, money and physical ownership of things. And you have created an environment then finally that has so much chaos that people seek to participate in something new rather than fix what was old or tear it down and start over. They're looking for a solution that ultimately these monsters will, will create. The whole objective here is to bring people to the point where they will sacrifice peace and tranquility for everything that they have. And this is the environment now that is crushing down upon us very heavily. But here's some things that are interesting to note in this world that we're in right now with all of this pressure on us, and this sounds fairly dark, what is also happening is that the belief in the nation state is beginning to crumble. And with the information age, which has taken this awakening across the world and has linked us to each other no matter what country we're in, you're seeing a rise here of people that are pushing back against governments. In this space, people that are listening to the mainstream media are going to keep in the narratives that it's you know Russia, 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 threat of China, U.S. is vulnerable. They're going to stay to the nation-state model because it's very safe. If you're in the awakening, we're walking literally in a span in a span of faith, not sight, because there's a, a awakening of a breakaway economy. There's an awakening of distrust of government. And we're stepping away from this matrix of control that they have little by little, which is literally creating a bifurcation within society. This is going to be a very interesting outcome where we go here, but we are seeing this happen right before us. But in this whole sense, the the problem with holding on to the nation state model is we begin to miss some very critical aspects to warfare. There is a war going on between the elites. I've said this for some time. And they're waging this war against each other. We're the pawns on the board. And what they're expecting is, in my assessment, is that one faction or the other is going to draw the will of the people to them. And whoever wins will ultimately either control, influence the others to join them, or they'll just remove them altogether. What they can't control is when people are beginning to break away from their their fight but the optic of la- of looking at things through a classic nation state model is is blinding people to a lot of the emerging threats which will cause greater stable destabilization one of those is what's going on in ukraine right now another is what's going on over in china and taiwan we are in a really interesting place on a global level at this moment in time where the dollar is still your predominant currency? It's in. It's being held and actively used and backed by every debt of every country that's overburdened in debt right now. You have Russia that has drained down its military to fight in Ukraine, and you have the West that is and, and NATO that has poured in just in ungodly amounts of infra, of weaponry in NATO or into Ukraine and money and all of that. But Russia's about ready to make a fairly heavy offensive against Ukraine, and it won't be through traditional armor or material things. It'll be using cyber. It'll be using AIs. It'll be using unconventional mechanisms to strike, and China will likely do the same thing. Now, why is that important in all of this? Because that's just another extension of what we already talked about is hybrid warfare. Because the people that are living in the normie world don't see any of this. They're seeing a a kind of happiness of or emerging stability in the United States right now. They're they're not seeing that we're not really even in a war a world anymore where nation states matter. Here's an example of this: Russia just recently uh, took away penalties for Russian hackers, meaning they've given them amnesty if for any actions they do against the West. Now, just think about the magnitude of this. This is again. This is a non-nation state actor in the classic fourth generation warfare model that has been empowered or protected by a nation state who has said, you can attack at will at your own timing, your own will, without even checking with us. Anything in the West that you do and attack their infrastructure, you're not going to be penalized in, in Russia. So they're going to have amnesty and sanctuary over there which has now taken the government system and it's blended it into the civilian world. So the question you would have to ask is like, who is your enemy? From a legality point of view on a nation state status, Russia is literally employing a method that makes it literally impossible to counterattack Russia because it's using decentralized people networks that they haven't given direct authority to, they've simply removed the consequences of their action. It's a pretty interesting strategy and strategic development. Likely China will do something similar. All of this is leading to a pretty critical head where we're, we're going into right now because the economies are stressed globally, way too much debt. The United States is, has a, a tyranny that has seized control of its nation state. There's still a lot of people that are trying to look at this nation state model and believe that they can fix it from within. They're, they're still believing in the idea of a an elected official going in and correcting things. They're believing in the ideas of free trade and they're believing in the ideas of, of open capitalism, free market capitalism. All of this is a myth that we're looking at but they're believing in it. And so as they continue to believe in it, it's gonna leave a, an extreme vulnerability. There's the heavy emphasis in our school systems and of this woke culture, which is even though it's not a um, it's not everywhere. I mean, as far as it's not dominant and as far as the consequence, what it is is it's become dominant as a narrative. And this narrative warfare in this fifth generation segment of this is that's what's consuming our thoughts and minds. So it creates a massive risk and vulnerability from outside forces, and especially since a lot of this attack we're receiving is from within. And they're playing the nation state model on us to say, look at Russia, look at China, while it's our own government doing it to us. And it's the government itself is only an agency of a corporate architecture and corporate alliance across the globe, which has no geography. It just is its will is to submit to the people. So what's the bottom line for us? Number one thing always, and this is such and I built all this to understand how important it is that you stay absolutely anchored in your relationship with God and your faith. Because with all of this dynamics and moving parts, you cannot keep track of all these pieces. What faith does is we stay in prayer and we stay in our focus with the word. We're detaching ourselves from the chaos and putting ourselves on where the guidance where God leads us and the trust in God to lead us. Those two things. So we're not, our allegiance no longer goes to this architecture we're dealing with. We are dealing as well on a global level that's a high risk for these organizations globally because people aren't paying attention to them anymore. And that's the big pivot right now is that people literally are stepping away from this. And as an example that I was going to bring in from earlier, we've seen that the entertainment industry is falling up, is on its down leg people are not being drawn to escapism and entertainment and there's actually a rise in in faith we're seeing that with Asbury other revivals that are happening across the nation and they're going to continue to grow that means that one of our major weapons our counteroffensive here should be a revival in our love in Christ because as we do this revival We're pulling away from the dependency on them. We're becoming acutely aware of the mechanisms and tools that they're using. And the farther we step away, the more clear our optic is. We're not paying attention to their noise in in the media and chaos. And we're putting our eyes on God. And we're trying to build a life around that, which again, separates us dramatically from the system we're in. This system we're in is heavily dependent on us cycling through debt. It's heavily dependent on us wanting more things. All those things and tools that they want to use against us, we now pivot and take them away from their, from their operations against us. And in so doing, one of the biggest pieces that goes away with all the, all of this, which is a necessary component for fifth generation warfare and their success, is chaos, anxiety, and fear and hatred. Once you step back from that and start to realize that they're manipulating and we're putting our focus on unity with through God, accepting our differences and over overcoming our rifts to build a unity and strength where we can start really building. We take away the fear of their reprisals. And that's a martyrdom aspect that we need to it needs to be incubated even further, where there is absolutely no fear of government. If they're going to arrest you, they're going to raid your house, whatever. You're just like, look, man, I walk with God, not with you. They lose absolute control. And the greater that this movement grows within the awakening of Christ in our loving Christ, the more powerful position we have to literally destroy this war that's being waged on us with using some of the most sophisticated methods of warfare ever derived. And we're literally stepping back, not accepting what we see, and living our lives independent of them as they scramble to try to get more power on us. The biggest tool of all of this is for us to realize that we have the numbers, they don't. They have the reach through the information space, they have the reach or the, the production capacity through their manufacturing spaces, but is if we decide not to participate and we're stepping back and we're starting to rely first and foremost on our principles of food and housing and living in with one another, Increasingly, they absolutely cannot control us. Now, as a footnote to that, and just something to keep in mind with East Palestine, I've been getting some good intel from uh, Lieutenant Colonel retired Pete Chambers, who was on the show. He's the he's a retired SF, and they went up there with a the team to take a look at what was going on in East Palestine. And there's a lot of news coming out, I'm not telling you that there is not a pollution in the space, I'm not telling you that people aren't losing some things, and our prayers go out to them. But in terms of the long-term objective to this, increasingly, these events that they're doing are leveraging the agreement that the Biden administration made to give our sovereignty to the WHO, and under that with the Agenda 2030, allows them to utilize eminent domain to take property that they claim is unsafe to live on. So they're intentionally trying to contaminate the environment. One of the guys in East Palestine that was reported through Pete Chambers is law, had 120 wells. The EPA came in and seized 60 of them using these rules that they have in, in safety and eminent domain. So this is really what East Palestine is, is what I've been saying here for almost over a week is it's a land grab at the end of the day. And it's a land grab to force people off the land. And one of the biggest reasons up there is are the Amish. So the Amish, which basically that distance from East Palestine to Bird in the Hand, Pennsylvania, which is about four and a half hour drive going east that's some of the most fertile land we have in the nation. It's a land that has been nurtured for the whole period of time in our nation and long before that has never had any petrochemicals on it. The Amish don't use GMOs and they naturally farm. So it's some of the cleanest food as well. The idea then is to, in my assessment here, and, it's, and this is agreed on with Dr. Merritt and Dr. Ch- and Pete Chambers and others, is that they're trying to force the Amish off their land. And I will tell you what, they will not budge. And you'll see some real defiance. So the warfare, the lines, what they're trying to do right now is seize the land and force people off as they also try to contaminate the water. This is why I've said so, so much here. In, in the sense of fourth, fifth generation warfare, much of this is a perception. That, and, and it's what people perceive to be healthy or whatever they're telling us. So when you're hearing things about dioxins, and I'm not minimizing the damage or threat of dioxins, but you're hearing that, if you're not understanding the magnitude of what's going on, people are going to start rejecting buying the, the food that the Amish raise. They're going to willfully self-select them out of liberty and put themselves into the hand of tyranny. That's one of the biggest upsides for information or the side of fifth-generation warfare because once they grab your perception and they own it, They're going to dictate your actions by choices they already know you will make. We have to get to the core of these things every single time and pursue pursue truth. And truth is the ultimate sword in all of this. We have to cut to the core of this, get down deep into truth, and realize that these people are going to continue to be ruthless in, in, in pushing us off the land, getting us enslaved into vertical cities and and high-density living environments. 15-minute cities is their latest buzzword, which is all about personal prisons. They're gonna use these times to try to confiscate guns. They're gonna use these times to try to convince you there's no possible way that you can survive in this environment. There's always a way, and there's something we have to keep in mind because every time they're gonna do more of these, it appears it's only continuing, and they're trying to force us again to accept that we have no future, no control, that they own everything. What they seem to forgetting is we've got God and we have our faith and we have our strength in living through Christ. And we've already have a new home built for us in heaven. So it's one of these things like you have to make a decision. Now, what's your, what are you, what are you standing for? What do you believe in so much that you're willing to sacrifice everything to defend? That's the bottom line on all of this. And if You consider that and know where you sit, what you're willing to do, the more that you become defiant, the less control they have over your lives and the less action that they can actually take. Either way, whatever we're going to see coming forward, it's gonna get a little bit crazy, and it will get crazier. And the thing that they're all desperate to do, and I say they, meaning these, what I consider to be two factions right now of elites, they're all trying to vie for your trust, my trust, and keep us locked into their vision of how the future shall be. My answer to this is always the same. We were given a Declaration of Independence to resolve this problem that they've already created. And that was giving us a duty to throw off these forms of government. We have given a constitution which outlines a way of being, but the way through this is going to be unity in us and unity through the body of Christ. And as we do that and we stand strong, These people literally will have a tough time. We'll have some tough moments as we endure it, but they have no chance of winning. Patriots, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this time that we're here in very challenging moment in time where the world is literally turned on its head and is in almost a perpetual chaos. So much of this is in the dimensions of warfare, of the tools that they're using, both in kinetic, non-kinetic, the ways of influence, always about changing our perception and separating us from the pr- truth, purity of knowledge in you and through you. So, Father, tonight we just, we just pray for the, the blessing of, of discernment to be able to see through this and m- more than discernment, to have the trust in you to know that what is delivered will be justice, but that we have to hold the line. We have to truly dig into our, our that heavenly place to continue to have a loving and forgiving heart with our neighbor, to identify evil for what it is, to stand up to evil and wrong, to make sure that we are living a biblical walk in our life, and trusting in you in the realms of justice and however you guide our hand. So Father, we just again we pray for a, a, a just a unbelievable outpouring of discernment as We stand before these chaotic times, able to see through what's going on and be able to resist any of the temptations that the father of lies will present to try to lure us away from our center point of faith and trust in you through our, through our savior, Christ Jesus. We say these things in Christ Jesus name. Amen. So patriots above all, no fear. That's the bottom line of the message. It's always essential to be able to see the complexities of the system. It is complex. There's a lot of moving parts, and I didn't cover all of them, but I hopefully gave enough snapshot to be able to get an understanding of just how many moving parts are there. Their greatest weapon in this war is perception. If they can convince you of something and you believe it, they win, if it, especially when it's their idea and not God's. So anchor yourself truly in that rock on faith and pray for deception, for discernment to see through this deception. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom, subdue and crush the enemy, mission forward. Patriots, I will see you tonight. Actually, no, Duncan will be doing Fishers of Men tonight, just so you know. you it's will it's, be our guest tonight. So I'll see you tomorrow. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now.
1: We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship.